Hey everyone, I'm Trevor, and this is the Midtown Podcast, conversations for curious people. For this first conversation, I got to sit down with my friends Ben and Patrick, and we just had a great conversation about something that we do every day for the majority of the day without even thinking about it. We all interpret. Uh, We interpret conversations that we have. We interpret nonverbal communication. Uh, We interpret articles that we read, things that come to our inboxes, social media posts. I mean, if it comes into our ears or our eyes, uh, we're interpreting it. And that interpretation leads to emotional responses from us. And so today, Ben and Patrick and I talk about interpretation. We talk about deconstruction. And uh, it just was a great conversation. So let's get into it. Okay, so... What's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Trevor? What's up, Ben? Good to see you guys. Man, it's good to be with you guys. Yeah. Did I just say that? It's good to be with you guys. Mm. It is good to be with it's you. It's good to be with you, too. That's a little cheesy. Yeah. I didn't mean That's to say right. it like that. That's I feel like there's going to be a lot of editing in this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can make a whole blooper as real. Uh, well, okay. I don't think it's a mystery that the world is very polarized now. And there's a lot of yelling and finger pointing and frustration. Uh, that's mild almost to put it. And it feels like there's not even a, an area of life. Like obviously politics, religion, the two things you're not supposed to talk about, but everybody's talking about them on right. social media. But like, I mean, just random stuff, sports, food. Like, I, like it just feels like everybody's got an opinion and everything turns into a fight. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> is there any hope <laughs> for it to not be that? Is this what? Is this the rest of life? Just trying to either get into fights or to get or to stay out of verbal fights or mm-hmm. even real fights? Well, Ben, I'm gonna say you go first, buddy. <laughs> I mean, the thoughts that come to mind is is how we've arrived after like the 19th century enlightenment has placed such an emphasis on truth coming from the core of the individual, right? So like modernity, you have this conception that all truth is out there. We just have to find it. And then the telescope was invented. The printing press was invented. They looked out and they found just more space. And so then John Locke, Hume, Kant, they said, no, truth isn't out there. It's actually in here. It's inside. And those of you who are listening, I'm pointing to my heart right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like truth, Mm -hmm. truth is inside the individual. So we moved from Descartes, I think, therefore I am to I think and feel therefore I am and so these we've become little mini um, dogmatists uh, for lack of a better word we've become little um, uh, people who are have sovereign truth over our entire domain and so with every person ascribing that sense of sovereign truth like Christians would with scripture or something else to how they feel about things along with all of these other areas of authority like church scripture tradition whatever then you have this dramatic uh, just conflict between people's opinions because it's not just a matter of fact, it's a matter of identity. 
and personhood. Mm -hmm. And so you have these deep ruptures when it comes to politics or religion or anything, because it's not just a static topic outside of yourself. It's part of who you are. Um, and that makes things really rupturing, uh, in our, in our society. And so like, how do we move away from that? We need to reclaim a balance between the corporate and the individual because we don't have any shared vocabulary, let alone a shared sense of what authority is. And so how do we then recover? That is the question. This balance between a corporate shared authority, a corporate shared vocabulary, and on acknowledging the individuals within that as well. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we reclaim that? Wow. Uh, <laughs> a, you're a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> There's a lot of words in there. I had to had to process for a second. <laughs> but B, uh, as you're talking about the, the the individual, well, I think that we have gravitated toward that that mindset, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That like you know the the truth is is within me. There's a lack of accountability. Mm -hmm. Uh, within that same space that's just kind of evolved. And I do believe that's part of what fuels so much of this, this division is that while we have our opinions, which we say, that's my truth, da, 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 have you want to go down that road that we don't take the time to understand how we've truly ar arrived at right. that place. Right. So wh why do we have the worldview we do? Mm -hmm. What, what history has brought us to this point? And that is so much the journey of scripture and faith that we kind of, I feel like we've, we've not turned our back on, but we haven't embraced for as much as it is because right. we want things to be concrete. We want right. things to be defined. We want to have a checkbox, uh, a, something that's just so specific because it makes us feel better about mm -hmm. us doing what we believe is right as opposed to this this journey being kind of a big question mark, but really the journey of faith is just that. Right. I mean, there's so many things we're trying to figure out as we go along, but we have to slow down and take stock of how we got to where we are and how that mm. informs the decisions or the the positions that we take. You're right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know how we get past that, but we have to start asking those kind of questions mm -hmm. and be willing to answer them. Yeah. <laughs> but you're talking about really truth has become so autonomous, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. it's just go look for people that think the way that you do. Right. And w which, I mean, now we would call that an echo chamber. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, for a lot of people, it feels like we've we've lost the art of, of conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have... I was looking at this the other day. I was looking at a, a denomination chart, like different denominations, mm -hmm. uh, starting all the way back from the big schism of Greek Orthodox and Roman Catholic, right? Wow. But then after that all of the splits yeah mm -hmm. and I mean there's the the chart was incredible yeah. and I was thinking why do we have so many denominations I asked well I should ask I should pose that to you guys I asked a couple people we all got to the same answer so if, <laughs> if you answer it poorly Patrick I'm just joking <laughs> <laughs> there's a really good chance that I will I no, feel but like that's what <laughs> so but, but why do we why do we have so many denominations mm. it's interpretation it you did it <laughs> Yay! Do, do I get a gold star? <laughs> well, but and I don't. Yes, I do. I think it comes down to that. Mm -hmm. It is just we interpreted differently, and we either had a conversation, or or, or we didn't, and we mm -hmm. just left, or we had a conversation and we got to an impasse where you're not listening to me, I'm not listening to you, or this is too foundational of an idea. Mm -hmm. The implications are too much, mm -hmm. and so we just have to part ways. But sure. it's happened more and more so. You can see it, you know, that first split 
it there's a, it's a long while before you have another split but mm-hmm. then as as time progresses the splits happen faster and right. faster and faster right. to the point of now it's like i'm i'm going to create my own religion Mm-hmm. I, I have to, right? Because I don't, I can't believe all of this. I can't believe all of this. I can't believe all of this. So I've got to just, I've got to come up with this weird conglomeration of all these different religions. Mm-hmm. But it's, that's subject to change based off of, how, like you said, how I feel mm-hmm. or some new information or whatever. Yeah, right. But what were you going to say though? Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What I actually was going to say, you're the. It goes back to that that statement you were talking about earlier, that the echo chamber, right? Um, two of the most like profound things that people who are kind of mentors in my life have shared with me. One, if you find yourself in a room where everyone agrees with you, find another room. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself in a room where no one agrees with you, shut up and listen. And Whoa. I think that's so so Make important. T-shirts. Right, yeah, but when we're talking about the, the the division of of different denominations, you know, you you have interpretation that has led to a multitude of of sects of Christianity, if you will. Um, those happen. They, that's not the only reason they happen, but a large reason, a large part of that is because we're gravitating towards those who think like this, and we don't we don't slow down and listen to understand why someone might have a position that is different. I, I cannot think of a time where I and I haven't done this well, so don't don't think that I'm I've got this figured out by any means. But when I do come across someone who believes differently than me, whether it's within the Christian faith or outside of the Christian faith, when I take the time to understand their position, how they got to where they are, I always learn something. Either I'm in a position where man, maybe what I'm thinking is not quite right, or they help solidify the position that I have uh, through through the conversation. But the conversation is so critical. But again, conversation and dialogue around anything that, that challenges what we, what we believe mm-hmm. is, is hard. And so we gravitate towards that concrete, that, that box that mm-hmm. we feel comfortable in, which is where we get a lot of different denominations. I want to be in this box. I want to be in this box. And this faith journey is anything but a box. If you put a God in a box, I don't want to serve that God. But... A, a, a God that challenges and forces us to evolve and just constantly question and wrestle and and sometimes doubt so we reach a, a point of faith that is more significant because we've asked hard questions, we've wrestled, and we've come out on the other side with an understanding of X, Y, or Z. That's faith. Walking into a church and being a part of a domination because it's easy, you check boxes, that's not faith. And it takes someone stepping up to the, the chasms we've created, they start off with lines, right, that we yeah. you know, drew in the sand, but they are chasms now. And unless we're willing to step up to that and build a bridge across that chasm that we've in part created, we are not fulfilling or serving or acting in the way that Jesus called us to. Yeah. And that is why we have so much division inside and outside of the church is because we're not willing to have the conversations that Jesus called us to. Yeah. Uh, Ben, I have a question. Uh, I heard, well, one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, I don't know if it's exactly right, but from Albert Einstein Mm. is (laughs) make things as simple as possible, but not any simpler. Yeah. And uh, I just started reading a book that I don't know why I haven't read before. It's from Karen Armstrong. It's called A Case for God. Mm. And one of the things she said in the, in the prologue was so many people have come to her after they read her book and said, that's, that wasn't a simple book. 
<laughs> that was a, that was a really difficult read yeah. and she goes well it was about god so, <laughs> so but but i heard right. somebody say this too somebody said this the other day you know like i just want a simple faith um kind of what you're talking about is it and i again i love this idea of making things as simple as possible and not any simpler and the more that i the more that i dive into to scripture and to trying to understand who jesus was and mm-hmm. to trying to understand the old testament it's not simple, is yeah. it? No. I, well, well <laughs> I don't know. I, I love I love uh, what Patrick said about conversation and and dialogue is because um, that is such a central core of what even created scripture in the first place. Right. Like through the whole traditions of Israel, it wasn't until the time of Babylon that they actually started writing things down. It was an oral conversational dialogue tradition that they told stories that informed reality, their, their relationship with God. And, and I think that that's the other side of interpretation is like, when you start talking about what interpretation is, you have to start talking about where authority is drawn Mm. because wherever you place your authority, that's going to shape the filters of how you listen and how you see and how you dialogue with one another. So So where is the authority with the papacy before the reformation? Then you move through all of these different divergences from that. And it's not just where the authority of the church comes into, but what is the authority that we interpret scripture through what's the authority that we interpret each other through and so it's been this long dialogue about authority and interpretation and interpretation and authority those those two those two sides um and and i think in the midst of that like i was raised uh fundamentalist you know in in nampa idaho and so the authority there wasn't even scripture though they claim it's scripture and fundamentalism like the absolute infallible word of god the the authority is that dogma that the scripture is the infallible mm. word of god so like anything that's questioning that is is you're questioning that dogma rather than scripture itself cuz that's not really what they're where they hang their hat it's it's that dogma over scripture rather than scripture than itself right that's interesting and Can so we pause there really quick yeah so what you're saying is so at some point in in whatever this faith community is or whatever Mm -hmm. we've created a list of belief statements yes or uh this is what we're going to hold as true Mm -hmm. don't question that right right absolutely yeah so like sola scriptura that what luther meant like scripture alone right means something completely different to 19th century fundamentalists because scripture the how they held scripture like luther said scripture alone but he also said uh scripture is the manger in which the christ child was laid worship the christ child not the manger right that was luther fundamentalists on the other hand like I was raised believing that scripture was on the same level as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's mm-hmm. a quadrinity, right? With scripture at the center, <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's that's heresy to Luther and the Catholic Church, right? Yeah. Um, scripture is a tool. So it comes down to what the authority of scripture is before we even approach how we interpret those things, those elements of our faith. Mm-hmm. Because I think <laughs> when, when you say concrete, that is such a good metaphor because idols are concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Idols are are yeah. concrete where you can look, you can see, you can feel, you can touch. And as soon as you get so certain over that concrete reality, that's when you've created an idol mm-hmm. that shapes and forms everything. And it's not a work of faith, like you're saying. And so I think when we want simplicity, 
It's that we want that concrete reality when I have been much more comfortable with the language of profound because scripture can be profound. The reality of God is profound. There's simplicity in that too, but there's also this need for mystery and, Mm -hmm. and, and being able to wrestle with that. And when you release the pressure of needing to be so certain and, and sure of everything, you can actually enjoy the mystery of how profound the reality of God is. Well, uh, I think an important question to ask when you have that new information to come across and you, you have you have a response to it, you know, there's it, it's often there's fear that's involved, right? Because it might challenge your belief, you might do who knows what. But in faith in particular, fear comes from two sources. It's either a rival or it's a close relative to the truth and you're going to have to change what you believe. And Say that again. Fear is either a rival to what you believe or it's a close relative to the truth that you're seeking, but it's different and you, you have to change your position. And both those are challenging things. Mm. Neither one of those are comfortable, right? Uh, either way, you have to ask the question, why something um, that new comes along that, that um, it makes you feel a certain way? Like when you have a visceral reaction to something that is different than you, what you believe, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's either because you fear it because it's such a bad thing or it's, oh crap, have I been wrong all this time? Mm. Um, and it, there's middle ground, don't get me wrong, yeah. but either one of those, it's such it's easier just to put the wall up and not, not acknowledge why you fear something, why it is something that is, uh, um, uh, maybe it feels so wrong, so you just kind of just ignore it or you kick it to the curb as opposed to having a conversation about it. But the, the, the more challenging and more critical piece is when we do come across that close relative to the truth, that uh, someone, something re- is revealed to us that we're gonna have to change what we think, what we believe, um, in order to really be aligned with the truth, and it's just easier, easier to, to reject it. Is, is that, is, it does. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think too, once you allow something in like that, then there's the, there's a, the tendency to start questioning everything, like what else don't, don't I know? What else right. have I been wrong? Mm-hmm. Is it all right. wrong? Mm-hmm. This is where, we could maybe talk a little bit about deconstruction. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. Isn't that the way Absolutely. that it happens? Yeah. So wait, so to, so anybody listening, we throw that term out, but wh- what does that really mean? And maybe especially as it pertains to, to faith, hmm. you, Ben. <laughs> Man, that's, I feel like it's a term that is, it's like building the plane while flying it right now. There isn't a shared definition of deconstruction, but I think sure. what I've seen on the front lines as a, as a pastor, people going through that, um, one, it is just like it sounds, it's breaking down the constructs of everything you've known to, to, and the goal is kind of open-ended. Like deconstructing is, you know, dismantling, taking apart like you would a watch or a, or a house that you're, that you're, you know, just you're tearing down the form that it was. Um, now, every person that's in that I'm discipling through deconstruction right now is doing so for the goal of rebuilding reconstruction, mm-hmm. right? Not everyone gets there. And, and I'm aware of that. Um, and I think that fear component comes in because I think you hit the nail on the head, Patrick. It's like the movement of faith is 
scary enough, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to you have to take these uncertain steps into an unknown mystery. The the all of the gospel, all of the the centuries of the church to this point to where it's like, am I going to accept this? Let my reality be questioned by this faith, this truth that's been revealed to me. Change positions, which is all all scary. And then you add to that spiritual abuse, mm-hmm. like this, like the fire and brimstone, like the the Christianity I was raised in was you either accept it or you're in or you're out. Mm-hmm. Like those are the hard lines. Oh, the good old turn or burn. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so you add to that really fearful mm-hmm. movement of faith outside of a loving community. Mm-hmm. And so you have a church that is spiritually manipulative, uh, abusive, um, very dogmatic and judgmental on top of this already really scary movement of faith. Mm-hmm. And you have people deconstructing out of that because they hear the incredible loving words of Jesus and it's not reflected anywhere right. by the people who call themselves followers of Jesus. So they feel like what I've, what I've tried to define for people who are going through this and those who are watching, cause it's painful for people who are watching people go through deconstruction. Yeah. It's painful to go through that. Uh, two things I try to remind people is you don't deconstruct something you don't love. You would just simply abandon it and leave. Oh yeah. So people oh, who so are good. people yeah. who are deconstructing publicly, they're literally lamenting going through an identity crisis. You don't do that with something you don't deeply care about because it's all you've known and you're trying to 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 re- rebuild that. Yeah. And yeah. And they are deconstructing because it hasn't been allowed in church circles. Right. And if we actually especially evangelical Protestant, if we had a loud lament confession of sin, openly, publicly repenting for things that the church has done wrong to people, then they wouldn't have to be deconstructing outside the church, right? And, and this this work of deconstruction is so deeply traumatizing because you're questioning your whole identity, your whole reality, and then they have to do that by themselves, you know? And so that's oh, it's, it's a deeply painful thing. Ben, I think you hit the nail on the head there with this one, I mean... Uh, Yes, I agree with everything you said about deconstruction, but the going back to the conversation about interpretation of scripture, mm. right? So much of deconstruction has become necessary. Yes. Because yes. of misinterpretation of scripture, right. because of abuse, because I mean, scripture has been used to justify the subjugation of women, the abuse of children, wars, slavery, it, slavery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it has been so twisted mm-hmm. and so many of us, myself included, have lived in this kind of weird kind of paradigm of, of a, like, a, like, like a dichotomy of New Testament versus Old Testament mm. faith. Mm-hmm. And we haven't moved past in certain certain situations the Old Testament. Right. We haven't recognized that that whole thing has been fulfilled. We move on. There's stuff to learn from that, but Jesus is this new covenant. He has fulfilled the law. I mean, we'll talk about this stuff in future, future uh, episodes for sure. But when we are interpreting scripture, something that has kicked me in the teeth over and over and over, but has never led me astray is going to Jesus words and looking at the Bible. And if I am walking away with something different than what Jesus taught, Mm. I am wrong. Mm. Period. And what I mean by that is you dig into Matthew 22, right? You know, the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. But then he goes on immediately, and we don't hear this in sermons very often, that all the teachings of the prophets and the law depend on these mm-hmm. two 
things. If we if we hold Jesus as <laughs> you know as the person that we're the, the entity we are going to worship, right? Those words have profound implications mm-hmm. when it comes to mm-hmm. interpretation of scripture. Right. That if we walk away with anything that justifies us <laughs> alienating, abusing, hurting someone in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. we're off. Absolutely. It has to point back to reconciliation, love, grace, right. mercy every single time. And if it doesn't, we have yes. to question why we've arrived at the position or decision that we're at. Yeah. Because we are suddenly opposite of what Jesus Right. Well, and I, did, I said two points and I didn't touch on the second I'm one. Sorry. But that's, no, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I think I forgot. So it's not <laughs> anyone's fault, but the, that, that goes right into the second point is that people who are deconstructing they're nine times out of 10, everyone that I've encountered, they're not, they're not abandoning scripture, right? They're deconstructing the culture they've inherited in how scripture is interpreted. Right. They're not abandoning the church. They're abandoning the heritage and the ideology that they inherited the church in. Mm-hmm. And so it's the surrounding interpretation and authority. Again, yeah. circling back to that beginning, people are deconstructing the authority and the, the heritage and the identity that they have inherited around Christianity to try to reclaim what Jesus actually was saying mm-hmm. because they want to live it out. Right. Right. Yeah. Have I hit a nail on the head at all? Like you guys have both told each other that you've oh, we hit did? nails on the no. head. <laughs> we need to come up with a different idiom for that, you know. Trevor, you're the hammer. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, you know, you guys have probably heard this story. So the mom's teaching the young daughter how to how to cook a roast. Have you heard this one? No. no. Uh, and so uh, so she, they get it all ready. They do all the spices. And right before they put it in the pan, she says, now we cut off the ends. And we put it in the oven for this, you know, for this long or whatever. And then the, the daughter asks, mom, why do you cut the ends off the roast? She's like, I don't know. That's the way my mom always did it. Let's call grandma. So calls her mom. Mom, why do we cut the ends off the roast? Her mom says, you know, that's the way your mother did it. Uh, I don't know. Call her. So she calls great grandma and, you know, grandma, why did, why did, why do you cut the ends off the roast? And Mm. she said, oh, my roasting pan was always too small. And, but, but that's a very, very simple idea to though, try to understand. So, so So church, let me just say this. I'm born and raised in the church. Um, my grandpa was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. I tried to get away from it. <sighs> what do you know? I'm a pastor. Um, I love the church. What I want to say to the church and to some church leaders that might be listening to this podcast as well is uh, th- the mom's reaction to that, you know, to that whole scenario of this asking a question. Mm-hmm. One of the very first things she did was, I don't know. Let's go find out. Mm-hmm. Let's go, let's go talk to someone that's not been the position of the church that I have seen, uh, where quite honestly, I'm, I'll, I'll say I'm a church leader that, that simple phrase of, I, I'm not sure, or I don't know Mm -hmm. has not been said a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And so for people that are asking these questions that are, that, that do not want to leave, they don't want to abandon Jesus or the ideas of, of what heaven could look like on earth. They don't want to abandon um, the idea of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but they don't see it in the church. And when they ask questions and the church doesn't say, I'm not sure, let's go find out. Versus, it says here in Romans, this. 
and it's this one verse and that's what it means <laughs> and here it is we're ignoring thousands and thousands of years of yes. what you just said ben of having these conversations there's hardly any two-sided coins anymore they're mm. diamonds there's so many facets oh, it's so nuanced and so mm. one of the things i loved the nt right talked about um nt right somebody asked him that question about uh literal interpretation and, and you know in scripture or whatever and he just said i don't i don't know what the fascination is with this this black and white um this is the way it is and you can't a- ask any questions he said from mm-hmm. what i know scripture invites the questions wants you to wrestle i mean going back to that analogy throughout old testament and new testament there are so many situations where people realize that their roasting pan was too small for god mm-hmm. right i mean oh you took it a different way i like it but but constantly yeah. it's it, it, yeah our understanding will never be big yeah. enough Never. We're never going to arrive. Somebody said something about new wine and old wine skins. Right. <laughs> Talking right. about that. I know. Hmm. Some, somebody. I forget. You should talk but, about that. <laughs> let's get there in a second. Truly, I, I, I yeah. think you're like, yes, I, I love that. But the second, like that moment, we think that, that, that we have a big enough roasting pan. We have a big mm-hmm. enough understanding. We are in so much trouble. Amen. You're basically saying, I know all the information about right. this that there is right. to know, it's the and I'm done. It's the most arrogant and ignorant the position we can take. Wow. Uh, to think that we have it figured out. Like, it's, 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 it's the ultimate willful ignorance. Yeah. You even, like, you even wow, said this so about, good. when you talked about the telescope, Ben, mm-hmm. I mean, Galileo was put on house arrest, I believe, because he said, he came up with this audacious idea that the, the planet, that the universe... <laughs> was geocentric and not heliocentric. Right, right. So basically a whole bunch of people said, nope, we know all there is to know mm-hmm. about this thing and you're introducing this new idea, you're wrong. Right. <laughs> yep. the no. Pan, the pan is too, yeah, the pan's too, too small. small. Yeah. And in hindsight, we learned that he's like the, the I mean, he's, he's the godfather of insight into all the, the mm-hmm. like, like questioning science. Like right. that curiosity needs to permeate our faith. Yes. So what yes. you have to be wildly curious mm. yes. all the time. Always. And that is, means we're going to ask questions and doubt. So to all the people that are listening, you're saying if they don't have it all figured out, they're okay. Right. Yeah. And if you do, you're wrong. I'm Oof. sorry. If you think you have it figured yeah. out, I don't have it figured out. And, and there's times right. I thought I had. And every time I, I've gone down that road, mm-hmm. I, my world has been shattered in the best of ways. And that's okay. Yeah. Gosh, like, that's huge. We, we, can, we, we should never stop. Yeah asking yeah. questions. Gosh, the, the, that's why I think it's so important to call Christianity a confessional faith. Right. We confess who the truth is. We don't have a monopoly on that, mm-hmm. but like the creeds came before the Bible. We confess who God is. We confess what we believe in Christ. And then scripture was formed on that to disciple people in what we confess. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're a continuously confessional faith, never arriving, but following the one who is truth. Right. Um, mm. Just to kind of plug a book that I found immensely helpful. Did you write um, it? I did not. Okay. No. no. <laughs> plug away. But it's Pete, Pete ends. I'm sure many people will, will know him, but how the Bible actually works is an incredible book to talk about interpreting scripture for 
the pur- in the purposes that it was created, which is uh, reimagining your relationship with God and humanity. Like people were writing down how they were reimagining from Genesis to Revelation. You have a completely different faith from Genesis to Revelation, and they're reimagining continuously, reimagining the 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 pan. Uh, I like that. It's it's pantheism. Oh uh. <laughs> no, no. Okay, we'll take take that back. Edit it out. Uh, <laughs> But reimagining this structure, you got you got to laugh. Reimagining the structure of how um, God and your relationship with humanity works in that um, one one rule of three that I always really like to to point people towards that you see in Scripture, where like you have Abraham who gets the covenant and the reasons why. Then you have Isaac, and this may be a heretical interpretation of that, but literally going to sacrifice the next generation for what he believed about God, right? And then mm-hmm. can you imagine that 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 trip down the mountain with Isaac, what yeah. Isaac was thinking, you know? But so Abraham got the covenant and the reasons behind the covenant. Isaac just got the covenant and was told to follow. Oh, right. And then right, you right, have right. Jacob come along who doesn't have the reasons or a real good covenant intact. They're just supposed to do what, what dad and grandpa did, right? Yeah, yeah. And Jacob does what? He wrestles with God and is given a new name. He asks questions. He's called a deceiver because he continues. He's like Socrates. Why? Why are we doing this? Why do we have right. to do this? And then right. wrestles with humanity. And Israel means one who wrestles with God. That's, and the, that's, that's okay. the people. And that's yeah. okay. <laughs> that's great. That, that's my point earlier. Is that, yes. That, like, there's so much good in the Old Testament. And it, it points us to conversations exactly. like this. Like it, a picture was painted of how not only... Will we wrestle? Mm-hmm. We should we wrestle. Should wrestle exactly. Ultimately, we we do believe that Jesus was God on earth, mm-hmm. and and He is worth following with every bit of ourselves, and that that is not often easy in our culture, um, but that like what you said, Patrick, that following Jesus always leads us to love. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. that looks like, that's what it leads us to. Absolutely, and we do want to wrestle with. We don't want to do away with tradition and do away with the church and all of the people that have gone before us. We're not trying to do away with that. We're doing what Jacob did and we're trying to live better right now um, with the time that we've been given. And so that's the Midtown community. That's this Midtown podcast. That's a little bit on interpretation. uh, And I hope that we just keep this conversation rolling. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It's so good to talk with you guys. Yeah. Thanks, gents. I think I just ended this conversation. Whether Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well. You're the hammer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs>